Uh, let's stand and we'll read uh, we'll read Second Peter three one or one three through eleven. This is a passage that I've uh, I love, um, and we've been in several times. But uh, we're talking today about spiritual discipline. Spiritual discipline. This is a, a series we're starting off as we uh, as the year begins. All right. Did I see a a groan back there? Oh, spiritual discipline. Conviction. The conviction's already hitting you. Okay, that's good. That's good. The Spirit's strong today. It's just already convicting. All right, 2 Peter uh, 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He's given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, Goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Father, would you uh, help us to understand your word tonight? Um, would you speak to us and, and, uh, and make it clear to us what you're, just what you're calling us to, Lord? Uh, I, I ask that our hearts would be open to you. That's so hard for us. Uh, we're, we're so guarded in so many ways. And so um, could you get around our defenses and would you, uh, would you speak to us as we need to be spoken to? And would we listen? Uh, and obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> uh, we, we talked about, so as those of you who were on the, the, um, the uh, winter retreat, the camping trip, this, the middle section on spiritual formation was, uh, some, we talked some about spiritual discipline, so some of this will be a little bit of overlap, um, but I think it's, it's good for us. Uh, we talked about on the, on the trip, our vision, my vision for the student ministry and, and my prayer for, for us. Uh, is that we would be characterized by three things. Worship, formation, spiritual formation, and mission. Worship, spiritual formation, and mission. And, and this really, the spiritual discipline really falls into formation. Like how is God changing us and making us like, uh, like Jesus? Uh, sometimes we watch an athlete on TV perform an amazing feat, you know, or strength or skill, and we think, wow, how do they do that? Um, how, did, how, did, how did Jose Altuve hit that home run? He's so short, right? Uh, how did Serena Williams return that serve, right? But the truth is, <clears throat> we know how they did. We know how they did. Let's say, you're, you're, let's, let's say you're a gymnast, and you watch Simone Biles go out and just kill it on a floor routine. You know, I mean, she kills it in everything she does. Uh, and, and you say, man, I'm going to try to be just like her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be just like Simone Biles. So the next time you're, you're on the floor and you're performing a routine, um, you try really hard to do it just like Simone Biles. Is it going to work? No. Right? No offense. Uh, and you know why. You know why it won't work. It won't work because, because you know the answer to, to how Simone Biles did it. And it's not just that she tried really hard in the moment. 
Okay, um, We know how Jose Altuve hit that homer. We know how Serena Williams returned the serve. And we know how Simone Biles killed the floor routine. They dedicated themselves to a life of, of a professional athlete. They trained day in and day out for decades. Right? Like, so much work. Um, they disciplined themselves in every way, in their diet, in their sleep, in their exercise, in their stretching, uh, you know, in, in just for strength training, in every way to, to perform in the amazing ways that they do in the moment when they're on the stage, right? You can't perform like Simone Biles because you haven't dedicated yourself to the life of a, of a professional gymnast for decades, right? That's the only way you'd have a chance, and then you still wouldn't, honestly, right? But, but she's the best. Uh, but that's the only way you'd have a chance. And, and you can see the same thing, and this is a principle that applies not in just sports, but in every area of life, and, and, and all kinds, it's a kind of a universal human principle. Um, if you want to learn a subject, or go to a certain college, or make a certain amount of money, or get into shape, you're going to have to discipline yourself and put the work in. Right? There's just a path to that. There's not another way around it. Like, Netflix is not the way to six-pack abs. Like, it's just not. It's not the way to a million dollars either. Unless you own Netflix, I guess, and then it is. But, uh, right, like, you, you got to put in the work. And it's the same with spiritual discipline. It's the same with spiritual discipline. Um, I look at a guy like, like in the Old Testament, Daniel, right, the, the prophet Daniel from the Old Testament. Um, he, he's in a foreign land, you know, away from his home. Uh, it's just, he, like, through the whole book of Daniel, you can just read it. He's just insanely faithful to God, right? He's so faithful, whatever it costs him. And it just makes you ask, how can he have the spiritual strength to stand up against the whole, like Nebuchadnezzar this, the, was the ruler of the known world. He lived in Babylon, the capital of the, like, of the known world. He was part of the government. So this whole king and government and culture is trying to shape him into, the, into their image. And yet he's faithful to God. Right, he, he uh, to the point of death, like death, he stands up to these people uh, and then they try to throw him, in the, or they throw him into the lion's den. Um, and you might say, well, I'm going to try to be like Daniel. Just like you might say, I'm going to try to be like someone Biles. I'm going to try to be like Daniel. When I'm at school and it's not cool to be a Christian, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to be brave. But will that work? No, probably not. No, that's not the same situation, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's similar, right? Uh, no, it won't. Why not? Well, Daniel's strength of character wasn't wasn't just that he, he tried really hard to be faithful in the moments when it, when it mattered, right? when he was put on the spot. Um, his strength of character came from a life of devotion to God. Um, and we, and we, get a, we get a glimpse of that in chapter 5 whenever they're trying to catch him. Um, so these evil men, they make a law that you can only pray to, to the king. Um, and then they try to catch Daniel because they, they, the only thing they can find them that he does wrong is he prays all the time. So they're like, we'll make this law, we'll catch him. Um, and it says that uh, they, he, Daniel knew they'd made this law, but he went to his house, and, and he's a 70-year-old man at this point, he's an old dude. He goes to his house, and he went to his window, it's open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees, and he prayed three times a day. And it, as it says, as was his practice, right? This is like what he always did. Okay, so we get a little glimpse into how, what, how does the character of a man like Daniel get formed? Well, it's through daily practices, right? It's through, uh, it's through spiritual discipline. Just like Simone Biles has trained so she can perform on the balance beam under immense pressure, Daniel has disciplined himself through daily practices so that he could perform under immense pressure, even, even the threat of, of you know, sure death. And so spiritual discipline, what we're talking about today, um, the, the definition I'm using, it's sustained, 
uh, strenuous, focused effort to grow spiritually. Okay, it's, it's spiritual training. Like, you know what training is. It's spiritual training. If you want spiritual maturity, you have to commit yourself to spiritual discipline. Um, and, and a lot of people at the beginning of the year, you know, think through goals and they're set new, you know, like, I want to be a Bible reading plan, prayer, what, you know, whatever you want to do. And that's good and healthy. I think that's, that's why we're talking about spiritual discipline um, now. Dallas Willard writes, The general human failing is to want what is right and important but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. I'll read that again. The general human failing is to want what is right and important. You know, you want it, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. As we begin, um, I want you to know I'm not a naturally disciplined person, so... I'm not, I'm not coming to this like, be like me, super disciplined man. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Some people are, are, some people are more naturally self-disciplined. Probably some of you are. Um, I, in fact, I know some of you are. Uh, and, you, you know, hardworking, organized, you get things done, you know, you see a goal and you can attack it really systematically. That's not my wiring, right? I'm not, you know, a much, I'm not a morning person. I'm much better at relaxing and taking it easy than like working hard or being stressed out. Uh, self-discipline does not come naturally. I mean, like in every part of my life, in school, in work, in marriage, in my relationship with God, uh, I have to constantly fight the temptation to be lazy, right? That's my vice, right? Not the other way. And so, so if you're like that, we're in this together, right? We're in this together, and this is something God's working on me and has been working on me for, for several years. Um, and it takes them a long time <laughs> with people as slow as I am. Uh, and so we're in it together, and we can learn this together. I'm excited to look at it with you. So, this is one of my favorite passages for, for spiritual discipline. So let's just walk through this uh, and see what we can learn, see what, what God wants to teach us. Uh, look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He's given us His very great and precious promises. I love that. His great and precious promises. They're great and they're precious to us. So that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruptions in the world because of evil desire. Um, verse 3, it says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I wonder if you believe that. Like, really? That's a great thing to ask of any verse that you read. Just go, do I really believe that? <laughs> it makes you think about it. Um, do you think that's true? That you'd have every, you have everything you need, if you're a Christian, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You think you have what you, what you need to live a godly life. Do you think it's possible to live a godly life? When we picture godliness, I think we sometimes have a, a, like a stuffy and a mistaken view of what godliness is. Um, like we think the godly person is the most restricted, most boring, most rule-following, and uninteresting person. You know what I mean? Maybe that's just me. Um, we, we think it's someone who, who's always serious and kind of uptight and would like always makes you feel guilty. <laughs> is, that, is that godliness? If, if that's godliness, I don't want to be godly, right? Um, and this is easy to ask. It's easy to, to test. You can actually figure this out. Who was the most godly man who ever lived? Jesus. Trick question. He's still alive, Trey. Yes, <laughs> Jesus. Right? He lives. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a trap. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yes, that's the answer. Jesus. Right? He's the, most godly, he's the godliest man who has ever lived and who, who still lives. And so we can ask... 
that we can see. Was he, was, is this what he was like? Was he restricted, boring, rule-following, and uninteresting? That's an easy answer. No, right? Actually, you know, he didn't really fit into society very well. Um, people were fascinated by him, right? They, they fought, crowds followed him because they like, this guy is so interesting. Um, or, or they were, many people were deeply concerned because he always seemed to be breaking the rules, right? And they were man's rules, right? Not God's rules. Uh, he, he did follow God's law, but, but people were, you know, were always getting onto him for breaking the rules. So, no, that's not what he was like. Was he always serious and uptight? Well, it depends on what you mean. You know, he, he, was, he had authority to his teaching, right? And he, and he spoke about serious things. Uh, he didn't shy away from important conversations or hard conversations. But he definitely had a sense of humor, right? Like, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. Right? Like, he, he, like that's the image he used. Like, that's a funny image. Like, get a camel through this needle pin. Of, like, that's funny. Um, uh, you know, uh, he seems to have, have not been uptight at all. Like, there's a storm on the sea, and he's just taking a nap in the boat. <laughs> They're like, wake up, we're going to die. He's like, what's up, guys? It's, you're fine. Um, Someone once asked Dallas Willard what, uh, what was one word that he would use to describe Jesus. If he could describe Jesus in one word, what would he say? And he said the word relaxed. And I think that's right. I think Jesus was just pretty chill, relaxed, right? Did, did, he, um, did he make people feel guilty? Actually, that's an easy one. No, not the way that we think of, right? Uh, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, like the worst sinners... They loved hanging out with him. You know? Like, think about that. It's like the people who frequent the club, they love Jesus. They're like, man, he's a great hang. I love to be around that guy. Right? Do you think he made them uh, uncomfortable and made them feel, feel you know, guilty? No. In fact, the uptight people right, were always upset at him for eating with those kind of people. Right? So this is, this is what godliness is. It's not, it's not what we, we sometimes think of. So when we think of godliness, we should think of a, a freedom to truly enjoy a real relationship with God and to, a freedom to really love others without judgment or manipulation. And we should think of a relaxed life, a life of enjoying the moment-by-moment care of God on our, on our, in our lives. We should imagine not someone getting, gritting their teeth, like trying not to make a mistake, you know, trying really hard to be perfect, but rather someone who freely and easily chooses the good. Um, and the, the good and the true and the beautiful attitudes and actions, because they are that, and, and they wants that he or she wants that. That's what we should think of as godliness. And Peter says, God, by His divine power, has given us everything we need for this kind of life through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness, through Jesus. Okay, so through Christ, um, we have all we need for life and godliness, to live a godly life. Do you believe it's possible? This is a gift from God. Okay? Um, Look at the next verse. By these he's granted us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping corruption that's in the world because of evil desire. Um, It says we're able to share, not only to live a godly life, but this is more further defines it, to share in the divine nature. doesn't mean we become like God, or it doesn't mean we become God. It's not saying you also become God. It's saying, uh, rather, as Christians, as we're filled by the Holy Spirit, we become like God. 
right? We share His nature, become more and more like Him instead of being corrupted by the world. And again, don't think of someone trying to grit their teeth to be good. Like, we become like God. God loves to do good, right? It's His nature. He loves it. Um, and, and so we get to share that, right? And He changes us from the inside out. So here's what Peter's saying. Here's what we have to believe. In Christ, right? So if you believe that Jesus died for you and rose from the dead, like if you're a Christian, you put your trust there, like you have your faith there, a godly life is possible for you. Not a perfect life, right? Of course not. No one's perfect until heaven. Um, but a truly happy and holy life where we're more and more, uh, we more and more gladly choose to do what's right and love doing that. And, and that's the best life, right? That's the life we want. Is, is this the life? Is this the life you're living? Is this, is this the life you're growing into? Is this the life you want to have? Peter says you can. Look at what he says next, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control. And he goes through all these, um, these uh, characteristics, these qualities. And this is spiritual discipline, right? This is, this is what it says, make every effort. I just think if you're going to obey that, it's going to lead to spiritual discipline. Make every effort. Um, it, it doesn't say, notice that it doesn't say, make every effort every now and then, right? Or make every effort to a point, of course, don't go crazy or become like some kind of religious fanatic. <laughs> right? No, no, it just says, make every effort to grow in these things. Sustained, strenuous, focused effort to grow spiritually. And so, so we are, because we've been given everything required for life and godliness, because of His great and precious promises, we're supposed to grow spiritually in these qualities and be useful to God. Okay, look at the qualities. What are these qualities? Goodness is the first one. Um, goodness is, is just kind of virtue. Like it's a junk drawer for like good things. Um, honesty, integrity, humility, that kind of thing. Knowledge. We'll, we'll get to know God better, know ourselves better, know the world better, know how to live in a way that pleases God. Self-control. Um, you know, we're all tempted in many ways and we'll grow in the ability to say no to the things that, that are bad for us, and to say yes to the things that God has given us. Um, endurance, right? Life is hard, and we need endurance. We need grit. We need stamina. We need the ability to keep going when it seems like uh, we are alone in the darkness. Godliness, uh, means this word means devotion to God, love for Him, reverence, uh, piety. We'll, we'll grow in how we worship the Lord and how we honor Him and adore Him. Brotherly affection. Okay, this is the love we have for other Christians. Um, we'll get better and better at sacrificing our time, considering others more significant than ourselves. And then lastly, love, which is the, the chief Christian virtue, right? The highest virtue. Um, God is love. Uh, and this is, this is unconditional. Um, this is self-sacrifice. This is active kindness to everyone we meet, even our enemies, right? This is the kind of love that Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. And, and so we'll grow in these things. These are the ways that this is, you know, how Christians will be growing um, as we discipline ourselves. And we know we should keep growing in these because of verse 8. It's verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being useful or so unfruitful. So you possess these in increasing measure. So they're growing, right? That's what it means to grow. And so we, we keep getting them. Um, and, and they'll keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful, which is what we want to be. I want to be. Verse 9, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. 
So the person who isn't growing spiritually, who isn't disciplining themselves and growing these things, has spiritual amnesia, Peter says, right? They've forgotten. They've forgotten their cleanse. How could they not be growing? Have they forgotten that they're cleansed from their past sins? Um, in other words, this is not just for super Christians. I think some people think that. They're like, oh yeah, well like, you know, like monks and stuff might do spiritual disciplines. But not like just regular Christians like me, you know? Like we might think that. Um, but, but no, the, Peter says if you're a Christian, if your sins have been forgiven... This is how you're going to be living, right? If you, if it says, if, if you're not, if you're not growing in this, you've forgotten your cleanse from your past sins. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not even acting like a Christian. This is how Christians act. Now, this doesn't mean that all Christians do it or are good at it, right? This is, and this is why we're talking about it. I don't think we're particularly good at spiritual discipline, um, and I think, we're, in fact, I think we're weak on them. Um, and it's why we can't say, like, if you say, none, not, you know, well, none of my friends read the Bible every day, and they're Christians, so I guess I don't have to read the Bible every day. No, that's not a good, like, it's not good to judge yourself by your peers, by what other people do. Um, we, we should, we, rather, we should judge ourselves by what the Bible says, what God says we should do, right? If God says you do one thing, everyone else is doing the other thing, you go with God, right? That, this is what we do. And so we're, we're looking at this. It's not just for super Christians. It's for everybody, every Christian. 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort. There it is again. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Um, these verses, they don't teach that you can lose your salvation if you, if, if you are truly saved. Um, you know, like Pastor Jeff says, I, I like this phrase the Bible teaches once saved, always saved, but not once professed, always preserved. Bible does teach once saved, always saved, but not once professed, always preserved. True Christians will persevere to the end. That's what Christians do. Um, so God's children hear verses like this, and they respond in glad obedience. That's why He put them there, uh, right for us. Make every effort to prove that you're chosen, to prove that you're a child of God. You, it's like you're alive. So much of the Bible's teaching on on Christian life is like. You're alive, so live it, right? Stop acting like you're dead. Like, we'd expect someone who rose from the dead, um, you know, to start living and moving and eating and growing, right? Like, if, if you know, Jesus, uh, you know, brought the little girl uh, Talitha to life, right? Uh, you remember that in the, from the Gospels? And if he'd have brought her back to life, and then she hadn't, she just, like, laid there and didn't eat anything and didn't act alive, it'd be like, Something's wrong, right? No, you, you, you would expect her to act alive. And that's what God expects of someone who's alive spiritually, to, to live, to start growing, to start, um, you know, acting. So we strive, we grow, and God richly provides us an entrance into His eternal kingdom, um, as verse 11 says. So, um, this is spiritual discipline. What is the goal of spiritual discipline? So as we talk about spiritual discipline, sometimes it's helpful to have, like, what's the overall goal? What's the point? Um, the goal, I think, is to meet with God every day, right? Uh, the goal is to meet with God every day. This is a, a quote from Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, which is a great one. Uh, this is kind of a long quote, but it's really good. God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving His grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that He can transform us. The Apostle Paul says, He who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
Paul's analogy is instructive. A farmer is helpless to grow grain. All he can do is provide the right conditions for the growing of grain. He cultivates the ground, he plants the seed, he waters the plants, and then the natural forces of the earth take over, and it comes, and up comes the grain. This is the way with the spiritual disciplines. They're a way of sowing to the Spirit. The disciplines are God's way of getting us into the ground. They put, they put us where He can work within, within us and transform us. By themselves, the spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to the place where something can be done. They are God's means of grace. The inner righteousness we seek is not something that is poured on our heads. I love that. The inner righteousness we seek is not something that is poured on our heads. We get positional righteousness. When, we get, when you're saved, you are made right with God, right? You are counted righteous because of Jesus, completely righteous. Right? But, but also, we're, we're told that we are to grow in godliness, right? We're to, we're to be holy. We're to want to be like Jesus. And what he's saying is that righteousness, the inner righteousness, like that we want to, that relationship with God. We want that holiness. We want to walk in a godly way. That's not just poured on our heads. God has ordained the disciplines of the spiritual life as the means by which we place ourselves where He can bless us. So we, put our, we just meet with God every day. We put ourselves in His way, and we trust Him to transform us. This is what the spiritual disciplines do. Okay? Um, what are the, the spiritual disciplines? So I use, it, I use both. So I say spiritual discipline is kind of just the general effort, like the training. Um, but then spiritual disciplines, plural, are, are like the specific practices, right? So if, it's, if spiritual discipline is like weightlifting, the, the spiritual disciplines are like bench press and squat and power clean and, you know, the different exercises. Um, so there's a lot of them, and some of them overlap, and there's different lists, but Bible reading, meditation, prayer, fasting, study, solitude and silence, giving, serving, worship, confession, simplicity, celebration. That's a few of them. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about some of these in the coming weeks. So that's what we'll do. We'll get into like specific spiritual disciplines. How can we practice these? What's helpful um, you know, to do? So um, going forward, uh, and, and this would be something maybe to talk, talk through in, your, in, in the discussion groups, um, I would encourage you to, to, one, just to commit. Right? Remember the Willard quote? Um, that the general human failing is to, is to want what is right and important, but to fail to commit to the kind of life that produces that action. Right? So commit. Just commit to God. Say, I want to grow this year. I really do. I, I want to. I, I'll do whatever it takes. What is more important than you growing closer to the Lord? Make an argument. I don't know. Um, so Commit. Start. Start something, right? And start small. Like, don't, don't try to, like, I'm going to read the Bible for four hours a day after I pray for four hours, after I wake up at 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> that's not going to work. You're just, I mean, it's just not going to work. Uh, <laughs> so start small, right? A great way to start would be the, the reading plan that the church is doing. Y'all know the uh, CBR, Community Bible Reading, the little journal thing? Um, did y'all, who, who has a journal? Who got one? A lot of people. Awesome. Have y'all been doing it? Yeah. yeah. I've loved it. It's so good. I really like it a lot. Um, so, so yeah, that's a great way to start. Just go like, I'm just going to do this every day, right? It's, a, it's awesome. It's two chapters. They're, they kind of like lead you. I love how it leads you through the different uh, elements of thinking through a passage. It's wonderful. Um, maybe it's just, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that every day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, 
so so start small and and it'll grow like once you can start start maintaining habits like that the they'll you'll really see a lot of um a lot of progress it's like a snowball you know it grows um so commit start something persevere right growth is gradual growth is gradual the joke i always use i've used it before but uh is that you know caroline my wife She's not really like an exerciser. She doesn't exercise a lot. So she'll like go on. She'll go on a run. You know, run like a mile, and then she'll come in and be like, "Do my legs look skinnier?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> and she's a joke, right? She knows. But it, that that is, if you were serious about that, like if you went to the gym like once and you're like, "Oh, I just can't see any results." It's like, well, it takes time, man. Like, give it, give it. A, the growth is gradual. You know, you don't see growth over over weeks and months sometimes. You see growth over years. Right? And so um, persevere. I don't get discouraged. Um, if, you've, if you, you know, you start a new habit and you forget, you know, the very next day, so what? Just start the next, just go back to it. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, growth is really gradual and, and uh, you'll see it over time. Um, so you can do it. Like, I just think you can do it. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is not something that your parents are responsible for. Um, they're not responsible to pursue God for you. They can't. Right? You, have to, you have to take responsibility and do it yourself if you want it to be done. Um, it's on you. Uh, but God is with you, and God is for you, and I am for you, um, and, and we are. So let's, let's go. Like, let's grow together. Um, this year, I'm really looking forward to seeing what it, what it brings. Um, thousands of people who resolved for a healthier 2019 last year. Um, also resol- resolved the same thing in 2018 and 2017 and 2016 and didn't, get, didn't do anything about it. And it's not for lack of knowledge, right? Oh, it's not for lack of workout plans. It's not for lack of YouTube videos you can watch and do, you know, 15-minute abs. Like, it's not for lack of those, for sure. Um, it's for lack of discipline, right? It's not that they don't know what to do. It's that they don't do it. It's hard. But no one gets fit by accident. And in the same way, no one gets spiritually mature by accident. Remember what Paul wrote to Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. Bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds value for the present life and also for the life to come.